The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. Coming off an important victory over Oklahoma State and an off week, Bill Snyder's Kansas State Wildcats face a huge challenge against number eight, Oklahoma. This is the PowerCat pregame podcast. It's time for Kansas State football. So get ready for a Wildcat football preview like no other. It's the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. And it starts right now. And now let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. It sure would be nice to be playing anyone but Oklahoma right now, but that's exactly what the Kansas State Wildcats must do Saturday in Norman. The Wildcats were impressive on both sides of the ball two weeks ago in drubbing Oklahoma State 31-12. And then the Wildcats gathered themselves and tried to get healthy with their lone off Saturday of the season. And if there is a sense of momentum for this team, it will be put to the test against the eighth-ranked Oklahoma Sooners in a 2.30 p.m. game at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. At 3-4 and four on the season and 1-3 and three in the conference, the Wildcats need to get on a roll. And OU is exactly the type of team that can stop a roll and hurt your feelings in the process. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I'm Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and when we last saw K-State, it appeared the Wildcats were just finding themselves. The offense hammered Oklahoma State with a potent ground game, and the defense played its best contest of the season in limiting the Cowboys to a mere 12 points. Maybe last Saturday's break allowed the Wildcats to heal and further improve, but it also could have slowed their momentum. We will certainly find out quickly when the Cats meet the Sooners, who are in their second season under coach Lincoln Riley. And Riley is quickly proving himself as a quarterback whisperer. He crafted Baker Mayfield into a Heisman Trophy winner last season, and now has taken Kyler Murray, who was an athletic but simply okay backup to Mayfield, and turned him into something special. Murray, as you probably know, is a baseball player first and was selected in the first round of the MLB draft by the Oakland A's and has already signed a multi-million dollar contract. But he's back for a final season of football at Oklahoma and his numbers this season through seven games for the 6-1 Sooners are actually better than Mayfield's at this point a year ago. Yes, they are better than Mayfield's. That's how good Murray has been. Among all the reasons to fear this OU team, Kyler Murray is the most obvious. His mix of running with grace and throwing with lightning could prove to be way too much for the Wildcats. But there's only one way to find out, and that's to play the game. It's Kansas State at Oklahoma in a contest that the Wildcats may not want right now, But it certainly serves them up a giant opportunity to completely redefine their season and transform what may be a roll into a boulder tumbling downhill. We shall see. It's time for our first break on GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast. So let's hear from our good friends at Robbins Motor Company, our title sponsor. You're listening to the PowerCat pregame podcast. Stay locked in. 
your weekly GoPowerCat.com roundtable session featuring former K-State football star Marcus Watts is next. Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat offers a wide selection of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs at competitive prices in the Manhattan, Topeka, Emporia, and Junction City, Kansas areas. Be sure to check out Robbins' new vehicle inventory where you will find the most popular models from iconic brands such as Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Or if you're looking to save by purchasing a pre-owned vehicle, Robbins has an updated stock of used cars in excellent condition. No matter what you are looking for, the team at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will help you get behind the wheel of your dream car. And K-State fans, visit the Robbins location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. It's the Robbins Motor Company, proud winners of the 2018 Customer First Award for Excellence and title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast. The GoPowerCat news team is assembling because it's time for the GoPowerCat.com roundtable session. Kansas State comes out of its bye week at 3-4 and four on the season and 1-3 and three in the Big 12 as the Wildcats head to Norman, Oklahoma to face the 8th-ranked Oklahoma Sooners. It's time to start digging into the Wildcats and Sooners who kick off at 2.30 p.m. Saturday with GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by robbins motor company and now we welcome into the show gpc assistant editor d scott fritch and football analyst marcus watson staff writer we're out of gates as we sit down for our weekly go paracat roundtable session the roundtable is sponsored by blue mark energy does your company spend four thousand or more on energy bills you can reduce those costs by 25 percent or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability visit bluemark.energy for an energy savings analysis today and now bluemark energy is the natural gas provider for the kansas state campuses in manhattan and salina bluemark energy k-state owned and k-state proud boys welcome to the show after an off week and we begin to look at saturday's game at gaylord family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium between K-State and OU and first let's evaluate these Wildcats as they head into their final five games of the season and D. Scott it's technically not the midway point they're seven games in but they're only four out of nine games into the Big 12 so we're going to call it a midway point all of a sudden Let's start on the offensive side. They're running the ball, and Alex Barnes had another great game two weeks ago against Oklahoma State. It was impressive. The O-line's beginning to do things. Offensively, are they starting to find themselves an identity? Yeah, starting to find themselves an identity, and that's what Kansas State had lacked throughout the first half of the season. Um, It was so good to see K-State run for more than 300 yards in one game against Baylor and then almost 300 yards against Oklahoma State. Uh, Being able to punch the ball into the end zone, K-State had such trouble doing that before in the the past. And I I think they're able to find a little bit more of a rhythm. You know Bill Snyder through the years, his teams gradually get a little bit better. And I think what we, we were able to see against Oklahoma State was an example of that. Now, can they carry that on? We'll see. But what I was impressed with Fitz was just the methodical way that K-State was able to drive down 
the field and be able to get the ball into the end zone. They finally had their longest touchdown drive of the season, eight plays, 75 yards against uh, the Cowboys. Alex Barnes took it eight yards into the end zone. They're able to show a little more explosion against the Cowboys this time. It's going to be important for K-State to be able to carry that on. As good as the offensive line's been, Marcus Watts, we have spent a couple years now on this very podcast saying they just don't block like they should block. They don't fire off the ball, and Alex Barnes isn't always running with purpose. And all of a sudden, two games plus, maybe including the second half against Texas, K-State's offensive line is fired up. They're getting after people, and Alex Barnes is running with a great deal of purpose. He's running people over where has this been, and how important is this? Yeah, and you know, D. Scott said they're finding an identity in offense, but this was their identity, has been their identity for years. It's just actually happening now. Um, this is what we thought would be their identity at the beginning of the year. Throw the ball when they need to throw the ball um, in passing downs and stuff or you know, when they're going to catch the defense um, you know, by surprise. But I don't know. I have no idea what switch flipped. Um, or maybe it was the offensive play calling. Maybe they're doing a better job of scheming against these defenses that K-State's facing because they faced a lot of 4-2-5 type defenses as they've gotten into Big 12 play. And we always knew once K-State got into Big 12 play that they should be able to run the ball better because teams aren't – they don't face it a lot. They don't face the power running game a lot. So I'm glad that they've got it there. To the running game to where it is, and now the passing game has a long way to go to catch up because it's a, it's a huge struggle. Perfect segue into you, Relegates. They're good at running the ball right now. They're really good. In fact, Oklahoma State had a, a well-known run defense, and K-State demoralized it and ran right through them. Offensively, though, throwing the ball is a different story. K-State ranks last virtually in every passing category. The passing efficiency is bad. The total yards are bad. The number of interceptions touchdowns are bad. Alex Delton might be back for this game, might be available. This quarterback position has kind of fallen on Skylar Thompson's shoulders the last two games because of Alex Delton's injury. Maybe he's been better, but he still hasn't been great. Where does this passing game go, and do we see Alex Delton back into the mix? You know, I, I think the only way you really want to see Alex Delton back into the mix is if if he's needed, you know, an injury or or maybe Skyler is really, really struggling and you just got to make a switch. But to me, Alex Delton's injury has allowed Skyler Thompson to do what he needed to be able to do in the first three games of the season, and that's settle into his position, get an opportunity to show, hey, I can do this job when I don't have someone breathing down my neck. I don't want to necessarily say that that's the only reason that both Alex and Skyler have struggled this season, but I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, I don't think that they have been able to relax, play the way that they are able to, because they know, well, at least in Skyler's case, if I make one or two mistakes, I'm out. And then in Alex's case, if he throws an interception, he could be out. So I think as a quarterback, you need to be able to play free. You need to be able to play relaxed. And uh, I don't think they've been able to do that so far. So hopefully we can see Skyler get the opportunity to further settle into that position and maybe he can finally hit his stride this season. Well, let's flip it over to the defense now, Marcus, your area of expertise. And Kansas State has done something this season that maybe has flown a little bit under the the radar. They're actually defending the pass okay. Rush defense is bad, and that's uh, kind of interesting. I'll save that for D. Scott, um, because that's what Coach Snyder always wants to do. Stop the run first, and they're ninth in the Big 12 against the run. It's bad. Defensively, though, against the pass, all of a sudden, 
they're not bad. They're in the middle of the conference. They're not great. Pass efficiency, they're actually like in the top three in the conference defensively. It's been very interesting to watch this journey now under Brian Norwood, the new secondary coach. What differences are you seeing in how K-State's approaching, opposing, passing offenses, and how well is it working for K-State? They've gotten better at the past. I mean, they haven't really faced a true, really good quarterback. I mean, Will Gerd, you know, was a good quarterback. He did some things against K-State, but they also had some turnovers from him. Um, and, and it's very surprising to me that the defensive secondary is playing so well because they've had so much turnover and not the same lineups almost weekly. It's always been somebody else in there with, you know, Goolsby getting hurt, Adams getting hurt, um, Parker getting hurt, you know. So it's just all these guys. The only consistent one that's been in there every week has been Duke Shelley, and Duke Shelley has stepped his game up to another level where we all thought that he could play at. Um, and I think that's a big thing because with him, you can let him go like you could with DJ Reed and let him play some, you know, man with no safety help. Um, but, you know, this team is starting to gel in the back end, and I'm sure Brian Nord has a lot to do with that. He's a good coach. He's done a great job with his defense. Um, but it's hard to pinpoint one reason why the secondary is playing better. We'll see if they can do it on Saturday against a very good quarterback and some good receivers also. Riley, uh, let's turn to you now real quick. Marcus brings us into another topic dealing with pass coverage. The, the secondary is playing pretty well. And the other aspect of that is K-State still isn't getting a consistent, good pass rush. Part of it's the defensive front four, part of it's linebackers. They've got to get better, though, don't they? They've just got to find a way to get to Kyler Murray to disrupt his passing game uh, without letting him get out of the pocket. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the way it goes. This season has the biggest thing that the defensive line has failed to do is had guys step up into those uh, number two positions. So, you know, in the past, Trey Deshaun's always been able to be a solid number two because of Will Geary. And then, you know, guys guys in the past, you know, someone like Jordan Willis, for example, as a defensive end, gave other guys opportunities to really become good pass rushers. We're not seeing that this year. You know, we're seeing Reggie Walker be a solid defensive end, number one. We're seeing Trey Deshaun be a defensive tackle, number one. But we're not seeing these number twos create a very solid uh, – push up in the middle or, or off the edges we're not seeing them get that pressure that they need to or they do it at times you know we've seen Jordan Mitty get in there a lot we've seen Kyle Ball come in off the edge a time or two but uh, not on a consistent enough basis and unfortunately that's given opposing quarterbacks all day to throw uh, given them opportunities to hit holes on running uh, situations it it has not been what this defensive line needs to be and this is about to be Probably their biggest test. Um, you know, Will Greer's the best thrower, I think, in the conference, but I think Kyler Murray is the best all around dual threat guy, and I don't think that's really up for debate. So they're going to have their hands full, no doubt. D. Scott, let's turn our attention to this run defense. Ninth in the conference, not very good. I can't remember a Bill Snyder team that's had these kind of issues against the run. Stop the run. Take away the run. It's the cornerstone of how he wants to defend opposing teams, and all of a sudden they can't do it. Is it just me? Are they getting a little bit better at that, even though the stats don't kind of show that? And is it possible that could all be just shredded today by Kyler Murray and an Oklahoma group of running backs that might be down to their third and fourth options, but it's still awfully good to play. Uh, it's still awfully good as a group. Uh, I just have a bad feeling K-State's run defense is going to be their Achilles heels against the Sooners. I, you know, K-State's faced some good teams. Um, they've given up three 100-yard rushers so far this season, but I'm not surprised if redshirt freshman Kennedy Brooks from Oklahoma – 
is able to find some success on the ground against Kansas State, especially with Kyler Murray being being kind of a dual threat. Um, you know, Kennedy Brooks had the most yards by a freshman in Oklahoma. Since Amaji P. Ryan ran for 427 yards against Kansas in 2014, now Kennedy Brooks had 192 yards all season, and he went for 168 against TCU. Kennedy Brooks, I think, is the real deal. But this, yeah, fits this Kansas State rush defense. has been, been tough. And I tell you what, tough in the wrong way. Um, I think the big thing for me is that they're giving up 5.4 yards on first down on the run. They're giving up 5.2 yards on second down. But on third down, on third and short fits, and 17 times that teams have faced third and short, they're averaging 8.1 yards per carry oh, on Lord. third and short. They are ripping Kansas State. at the, Kansas State's bread and butter is stopping the run. This has been awful. It's been awful. And speaking of awful, all those stats surprise me, but nothing on the Big 12 conference stats surprise me more than this one, Riley Gates. And this is something you have been harping about since the start of the season. K-State's kickoff return units are bad. K-State is dead last in net kickoff return yardage. They have the shortest kickoff returns in the Big 12. Kansas State, again, call for the fair catch. Do it. If you're only going to average 17 yards a return, take the ball at the 25 whenever you can. And those 17 yards are not them getting the ball on the goal line. It's them getting it four yards deep in the end zone and taking it it out from time to time. I don't understand it. Like I've said multiple times, if I was a football coach and my team was averaging 17 yards per return, if you are not – if the ball is in in the end zone or you're in a good position uh, to where the the defense is going to come down and tackle you. You got to fair catch it. You're not going to get a good return, and even if you do return it to say the 28 or nine or something like that, is four yards really worth an opportunity to fumble it or get injured or something like that? I don't understand it. It's a free 25 yards. You get to work with 75 yards of a field, and it sets your offense up in a good position. Why K-State hasn't been fair catching kicks this season, given how ineffective they've been in the kick return, is is beyond me. And, and frankly, I just don't understand it. Now, on coverage units, Marcus, you watched this. You used to be the stinger on the outside. You did your thing. You were good at it. Is K-State just lacking the overall athletic depth you need for special teams to be really good in it? Their coverage units aren't even even as good as they used to be. Everything just seems to be not up to standard, which is so strange to see. Yeah, special teams is a mentality. Um, yes, it has you know you need some athletic ability, some football ability, but it's more of a mentality. It's more of it's me versus one guy, and I'm going to beat that guy every time. And I think it's that has had been a, has been a problem all year, even on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, especially on the offensive line and stuff. You know, it's just it seems like it's. You know, it's been me, 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 and they, they haven't been playing as a cohesive unit. Well, special teams is, you know, kind of that same way, but it's also individual performances. And you got to tell yourself, oh, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to that ball, and but stay in my responsibilities and do what I'm supposed to do. Um, and so that's the biggest thing for me. Yes, there is some lack of talent on this team. There's not – there's lack of depth. But for me, 
you put your best players out on the field, and Coach Snyder's always done that, whether they're starters or non-starters. So if 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 they're keeping some starters off of special teams to keep them fresh, um, that may be an issue that I think that they maybe need to change going forward if they want to have better coverage units. Yeah, I agree. Let's touch on one more topic here with special teams. Blake Lynch still missing from an injury. Hopefully they get him back. He'll stabilize place-kicking duties. Um, certainly K-State needs to have that threat when the drive stalls. He can get it. Inside 50 yards, he's darn reliable. Devin Ansel finally shows up after missing the first six games of the season for um, a suspension, according to sources. He played last week uh, against Oklahoma State or two weeks ago against Oklahoma State. Looks good. He's legitimate as a punter. The guy's big time. So that seems to be stabilizing. But, guy, you've done this a long time. K-State can't be average in special teams. They just can't be average. This is how they've won games. Even in good times, they won games doing this, you know, with returns and field position. And last year, they had such good punting, they'd pin teams down inside the 10. They've got to get back to being above average at the very least. They're below average in special teams, and it's just baffling to me. It's been so key for Kansas State through the years, Fitz, and the non-offensive touchdowns, 112 non-offensive touchdowns since 1999 leads the country. Where are those at this season? That is the key driving force in, in these Kansas State teams is having solid special teams. And when you take out that ingredient, I think this team is a shell of itself. I agree. Hey, uh, part of that non-offensive touchdowns stat, defensive touchdowns, they're not really doing that this year, but I feel like Blake Seiler's kind of settling in. Yeah, they're having issues stopping the run, but the new coordinator seems to be getting an identity for this defense. I can't quite put it into words yet, but they held a pretty darn good Oklahoma State offense to 12 points and, and bottled up Justice Hill, a really good running back. There seemed That was... As shocking to me in that win over Oklahoma State as anything the offense did was how efficient the defense was at getting the other team off the field, finally. Yeah, Blake's Blake's done a nice job this year, I think. Uh, out of all the coordinators um, and coaches and stuff, I think Blake had – you know, he's probably had the biggest challenge because the defense has always been – K-State's Achilles heel and has always given up a lot of yardages and a lot of points and so the offense has always had to score a lot of points over the last four or five years so I think Blake had a big challenge coming in I think he's done a nice job did he struggle at the beginning of the year yes that was apparent you know he was just still getting his feet wet you know it's still it's it something new for him going in and actually calling a defense for a certain situation or a certain down there's so many different ways you can go about it um, and, and they probably are running a new defense and so the team is it's taken some time to actually get in the game, see yourself actually in a game, playing that defense, and then making those corrections as the season goes on. So, you know, I knew it would be a struggle at first, and I knew it would probably get better as the season goes on. I didn't think that they would do what they did to Oklahoma State, and especially Justice Hill. Um, you know, they I didn't watch it closely enough and didn't go back and watch it to see if they actually spied Justice Hill. Um, but if you take him away from that offense against Oklahoma State, they're, they're pretty much one-dimensional and not – and it's easy to defend. They, they took him away early, and then Oklahoma State just took him away by not using him and used him as a decoy. It was very strange. Riley, let's finish this off by bringing this roundtable, the first half of it at least, full circle, back to the running game and focus on Andre Coleman, the offensive coordinator. He, too, is finally getting his legs under him. I feel like he's settled in now. He knows what he wants to call. He knows what his offense can do. And I feel like things are getting better. And if they can get the passing game 
good enough to complement that running game, they could really have something on offense. I think now that they're settling in and, and kind of rediscovering themselves as a running team and, and finding what they do best once again, I think it's going to allow Andre Coleman to maybe experiment a little bit more successfully because you have the – uh, the confident running game that you can lean back on. You can look back at it and say, we're good at this. I know we're going to be able to do this. Maybe I can throw this in here every now and then and um, see what's up. He, he didn't exactly have anything that he could trust early on in the season. And now, like you said, he's getting settled in. He's getting that consistent production from the running game. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what the next five games for Andre Coleman brings. You know, it might not be the greatest end of the season for K-State. You know, they might finish 4-8. and eight. They might finish five and seven but you know i think we're going to see andre coleman and the offense kind of hit hit its stride here uh, at the end of the season well book it that's the first half of the round table for today's preview of oklahoma and kansas state and norman we'll be back on the other side of this break with more of the powercat pregame podcast fueled by robbins motor company all they do is cover kansas state sports the experts from GoPowerCat.com will return with more of their roundtable session on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. We now send it back to Fitz and the GPC News Team in the Spirit Street Studios as the GoPowerCat.com Roundtable session continues. We're back and we now continue with our GoPowerCat Roundtable session with GPC Assistant Editor D. Scott Fritchin, Football Analyst Marcus Watson, Staff Writer Riley Gates. The Roundtable is sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company spend 4000 or more on energy bills? You can reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability. Visit bluemark.energy for an energy savings analysis today. And now Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. And Marcus, I'm going to let you just sit there and look pretty. Just sit there and be quiet. 
Well, you can pipe in. You can hop in here at any moment. On Wednesday, thankfully, the Big 12 didn't put it up on a Tuesday again, opposite a Bill Snyder weekly conference. It's maddening. But they did it on Wednesday. Big 12 basketball media days at Sprint Center in Kansas City. You two, D. Scott Fritchin, Riley Gates, along with Zach Carlson, who we won't allow on this podcast because of his language, uh, went to Kansas City for Big 12 Media Days, and it was so meaningful this year, Riley. You're our basketball beat writer by trade. K-State picked to finish second in the conference. K-State's Dean Wade picked to be the preseason player of the year. Barry Brown picked on the first team all-conference. Wow, wow, wow. But, lo and behold, KU still a unanimous selection to win the Big 12 Conference. They got all nine possible votes, and Bill Self voted for K-State. That makes them unanimous because you can't vote for your own team. Oh, no, they weren't. Good <laughs> they job, were Riley. <laughs> Mike Boyne at Oklahoma State said something that popped up your ears, and you didn't just record it like I would have. You followed up on it and chased it down, and you found a discrepancy in the Big 12 poll. Yeah, kind of funny. Um, I was just talking to Mike Boynton, trying to get some quotes for uh, for my story that I wrote about uh, Bruce Weber being a little bit unhappy with his team's preseason ranking. And I asked him, I said, well, you know what? I know you voted K-State number two in the poll because they only got one Big 12 vote, and I know that had to be Coach Self. So I was trying to get his opinion on the national ranking for K-State, and, and Coach Boyden corrected me. He said, I, I voted for K-State first. I thought that was kind of weird. So, yeah, I emailed uh, the Oklahoma State SID trying to figure out if you know there was a, a miscommunication between him and Coach Boyden or if, there, if Coach Boyden just misspoke. But, nope, he sent me his ballot. I looked at it, it had K-State at the top, so I contacted the Big 12, and sure enough, they wrongly counted the votes. I There's only 10 ballots. question how you can miscount 10 votes, but they did uh, miscount, and in fact, K-State got two first-place votes, one from Bill Self and one from Mike Boynton, so make it 8-2 to two for Kansas to win yeah. the this year. <laughs> yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean much, but it was just interesting. That Very interesting I, that Coach Boynton was that. Was that dead set on K-State being uh, the team to do it this year. And they got the guy. You wrote about Dean Wade. He's special, man. He's gotten a little bit better every year and yes. finally made a breakthrough at about midseason last year, heading into Big 12 play. He could be just enormous this year, and he, he deserved to be the Big 12 preseason player of the year. I still remember the first time uh, talking with Dean Wade at Bramwich Coliseum and the first time that he met Ernie Barrett and Ernie gave him that big bear hug and handshake when he was still a high school senior. Now he's at Kansas State, and everything pretty much is coming true except for the end of last season where he had obviously that stress fracture that kept him out of a majority of the NCAA tournament. But so much uh, admiration from Mr. Dean Wade from all the various coaches throughout the league um, was able to ask some questions to Lon Kruger and uh, Prom from uh, Iowa State, and Bill Self spoke about uh, Dean Wade as well. But, um, you know, Dean, preseason player of the year, obviously, was not on the uh, AP preseason All-America team, did not know about that, uh, did not really care about that, just wants the team to win. I think that epitomizes Dean Wade. He is, is such a team-oriented guy. 
but uh, he's on the verge of being able to do some some very special things right now. You know, he enters with 98 career starts and should eclipse Wesley Wundu. 124 starts for the most in K-State history. You know, he's bearing down on, on 1,200 points, has 529 career rebounds and 97 steals. And, you know, last year it was just the fourth K-State player to be named first team All-Big 12, joining Michael Beasley, Jacob Poland, and Rodney Magruder. He's, he's going to be up there with, with the greats at K-State before it's all said and done. Riley, one more basketball question before we turn our attention back to K-State football in this game with Oklahoma. It's rare in this era of college basketball that you arrive in a season with three seniors who have all been significant contributors. None of them have transferred. None of them have opted to leave early for the draft. These guys, Dean Wade, Barry Brown, and to a lesser extent, Kamau Stokes due to injury, all slide into that perfect spot for a coach. Good enough to be incredibly impactful at the college level, but not quite good enough to declare early for the draft. That's why Kansas State's getting so much love. Having senior experience, particularly two senior guards, is huge. This team has good leadership. They've got good depth. They've got some new guys that are going to help. There's a lot of pieces here and a better schedule. You know, it really is kind of the perfect storm. Um, with those guys and had the the three perfect personalities to really kind of work together and mesh into that and you know not to the same extent as football or anything like that and obviously Bruce Weber was kind of the coach when it went downhill but these are the guys that rebuilt it for K-State you know they came in when it was bad they were here when you were going 15 and 17 and missing the NCAA tournament they knew that something had to change and they kind of took it upon themselves and now they're better their experience they know what it's like to lose they know what it's like to win and it's the perfect uh, dose of leadership and that's why this year is so crucial for uh, the future of k-state basketball is because what are these seniors going to do what are they going to leave as a legacy uh moving forward you know because if they if they make it a good season if they show how to properly lead a team to a solid season you're gonna you know set up this year's juniors, this year's sophomores, this year's freshmen for the next however many years down the road to do the same thing. But, it, you know, if it kind of goes south and you don't provide great leadership, it doesn't look good for the future because nobody's going to know how to lead a team to, to success. So what a year for K-State potentially to have. And like you said, those three seniors are going to be at the core of it, the reason it's either good or it's, or it's bad. Well, we'll get back to basketball briefly later in the show. Riley caught up with Kamau Stokes at Big 12 Media Days, and we'll have an interview with Cam in our interview segment. But now let's refocus on Kansas State and Oklahoma in Norman Saturday in Big 12 football. And, Marcus, I look at Kyler Murray, and we'll talk about him more in the breakdown. But I've been saying this, and I want your take on it. Physical dimensions aside, because he's much different physically, he's a guy that reminds me the most of Michael Bishop in any recent college football quarterback in that he's a brilliant, instinctive runner that can throw the ball unlimited yardage, almost 60, 70 yards in the air because he's a center fielder, literally. Michael Bishop was a catcher, literally. They're baseball guys with big guns that, oh, by the way, they just run like almost unstoppable. Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I do. I think Kyler Murray is he's a special talent, and it's unfortunate we're only going to get to see him one year uh, in college football. Yeah, I mean, he was just a backup, and yeah. now he's going to go so, play uh, professional I mean, they had a, baseball. They had a pretty this. good quarterback last year, so he didn't get to play, you know, yeah, as a freshman. Okay. And yeah. uh, you know, Kyler Murray obviously is a millionaire now, so he's going to be going. 
to play Major League Baseball next year. But, you know, he's 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 a rare talent. And, you know, they've said – you know, I've heard them say that he's um, one of the, if not the best athlete maybe ever to come out of Texas high school. That's a pretty big statement right there with yeah. all the athletes that have come out of Texas. Um, and so, you know, he's just – he's he's really good and um, – K-State's going to have a handful with him. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to stop him. I really don't. He's special. He's fun to watch. And D. Scott, what really amazes me about Kyler Murray is he was an okay backup last year to Baker Mayfield. You know, Baker stole the headlines, stole the Heisman. He was okay. And he's got the distraction of playing baseball. That's his better sport, amazingly enough. And like Marcus alluded to, he's been drafted. He signed a contract. He's a millionaire. He's going to go play for the A's, at least in their organization, starting out. But, boy, he's completing, like, what, 70% of his passes or something obnoxious? He's turned himself into a really, really good quarterback, and that might say a lot about him, and it might say a lot about Lincoln Riley, too. Oh, absolutely. I think I think Lincoln has, has done a tremendous job with them. Uh, Kyler Murray is fourth in the country in completion percentage at about 72%, and uh, he's just one of four passers right now, Fitz, with 20 or more touchdowns while tossing three or fewer interceptions, which is pretty un- unbelievable as well. But Murray, what stands out most to me is a stat that Oklahoma State Sports Information came up with, that Murray has a higher passing efficiency rating, more yards per passing attempt, more yards per passing completion, and more rushing yards per game than Baker Mayfield, <laughs> Sam Bradford, and Jason White did through seven games the years they won the Heisman Trophy while at Oklahoma. Unbelievable. Oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Pick that up, right? I don't even know what to ask you. What? That's incredible, man. Honestly, it's it leaves me speechless because it, it's so it's amazing to me because we all watched those guys do that and we all said, "Yeah, Heisman, Heisman, Heisman," and we're looking at this kid right here and we're saying, "Yeah, he's pretty good," um, but because of a us not knowing him all that much before this season, you know, obviously we said he was a, a backup, and B because of what <laughs> Tua is doing down in Alabama, Kyler Murray is really not even getting a realistic look at the Heisman, but he's putting up insane numbers, like D Scott just said. So I I don't really know how to describe it. Um, and honestly, I I think I'm really I should probably eat some crow. I don't I didn't really come a whole public with it, but like I really didn't think he was this good. I, I knew he was either. talented. I, I knew he was talented. I didn't think he would fill Baker Mayfield's shoes to this capability, and he has certainly uh, exceeded every expectation placed upon him. Well, there's a lot more to throwing a football than arm strength. He had the arm strength. He just wasn't accurate, didn't make good decisions. But lo and behold, he's just doing it all now. It's just been incredible. One big change in Norman uh, midseason here, Marcus, they're done with Stoops brothers. They're all out of Stoops brothers. Bob retired a couple years ago. Lincoln Riley took over. Mike Stoops stayed on as defensive coordinator, and he made it to midseason before he got fired because they were that bad. They lost to Texas. Army racked up some yards, and that was enough. Six examined, that was enough. They, they were done with Mike Stoops. Ruffin McNeil, great dog name, has taken over as defense coordinator. He was the last good Texas Tech defensive coordinator before this season. Went on to be head coach at East Carolina, had some success there. Veteran guy. Does it really matter? I mean, changing the midseason, does it make that big a difference? I mean, it can rally a defense. Um, you know, if something changes, maybe they become I, – I, they've switched up how they're playing defense. Um, I saw a tweet about it um, you know, 
the other day. I think Ryan Walls retweeted it. If they were more of a 4-3 type defense. They've done some different stuff, and maybe they're trying to get more athletes out on the field. So he's changing some things up. Right. And we just it's too Hard early to, to tell whether or not it's going to work or, you know, if it's actually the players that are the issue. You know, like I always say, your best defense is your best offense. And they score so fast that their defense is on the field all the time. So, yeah, you're going to give up yards if your defense is always on the field because your offense can score whenever they want to. So we'll see. Uh, Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things that Coach Schneider is, I don't want to say concerned about, but definitely was noteworthy on Tuesday because we all know how Coach kind of answers questions. But he seemed pretty uh, assertive and pretty well aware of the fact that, hey, this is a new coordinator. We don't know what they're, you know, it's only one game. How can you really judge off one game? So I'm really interested to see how they handle that because something tells me it's a little bit of a concern inside the veneer football complex right now. They're like, hey, are they going to be the same defense or are they going to be something completely different? D. Scott, one more topic before we get to the question of the week for Marcus and your number of the week. Coach Snyder did something really peculiar at Tuesday's press conference. He talked about game plan. He yeah. talked about the Army game where Army ran the ball on Oklahoma, held possession, owned the ball, I thought it was really curious. Bill Snyder was talking about schematics and game plan, and yes. I almost wondered if it wasn't a smokescreen. But then again, he's exactly right. If they can run the ball and own time of possession, they can be in this game. I am going with my gut, and I'm going to say smokescreen. I, I found it interesting. So you think he's going to come out throwing the ball? I wouldn't be shocked if they threw If he comes out throwing the ball, K-State's going to lose by 40. I I just found it. I agree, D. Do you think it's bizarre that he talked about schematics at all? Why would you go against something that you've been doing so successfully all week? For the last two weeks. They came out out throwing the ball against Oregon in in the Fiesta Bowl. I I ran the ball so well. But it doesn't – he may come out and throw the ball. It doesn't mean he's – I guarantee they'll run the ball more and they'll throw the ball. Maybe. They'll be down. They might be getting their butts kicked. So maybe he's just like, we're just going to run the ball on them, but we're going to be down so much we're going to have to throw. (laughs) That's exactly it. They're going to fall behind, as Riley predicted in our weekly podcast. So they'll have to throw the ball at that point so they'll get away from the run. And then they'll get so far behind, they're going to have to run the ball just to get the hell out of Norman and not get smoked. I just thought it was curious. Yeah, I – you know, granted, I mean, K-State is finding its own with, with the run game right now. Alex Barnes is running very, very hard. I think the offensive line has gelled and has has done a super job through about the last ten quarters of, of football. Um, but, yeah, for Coach Snyder to come out and just talk about uh, game planning was a little bit peculiar to me, and I think there's a motive behind it. I did too. I just thought it was weird. Now it's time for our Wabash Station Question of the Week, which comes from a member of our premium message board at gopirecat.com. This week's question comes from Canelio, who I think had a question earlier, but this one hit home. It's for Marcus, of course, as you're back in the game, man. Yeah, after a couple rally appearances, I had an appearance. You're back in the question of the week game. If Alex Delton is available on Saturday, which we expect, do you see him getting playing time at some point? Yes. You think that falls into the run game scenario? Uh, I don't. I don't think it falls into the run game. He was hurt, and Coach Schneider's always been like, you know, if you're hurt, that's not a reason when you come back not to play. Um, I, I just think he'll see the field some way, somehow, especially if the case that gets down early and. They're not moving the ball offensively. Right. He'll try switching up, trying to find something. Um, you know, I know Alex has been practicing the last two weeks, so I do know that he's healthy and 
and most likely probably going to be ready to play for this game. Um, whether he plays or not, though, you know, it's still – I mean, who knows? I, this season's been weird. It's been weird. When it comes to quarterback play. So, well, But do I expect to see him out there in some capacity? Yes. And, you know, we didn't talk about it, but Isaiah Harris not playing, you know, that takes away an athlete. You know, Dalton Schoen's coming back, so we hear. But, you know, will we see John Holcomb? You know, he's – it's five games left, but he's got four games to play and not burn a redshirt. I know he's been working at some receivers, so will he play some? It's very receiver? interesting. And, of course, we reported at GoParacat.com on Wednesday that Isaiah Harris has lost for a prolonged period of time, maybe permanently due to uh, some off-the-field situations. We'll see how that plays out at receiver during the course of this game. Very intriguing. I think Alex Dalton will play. And let's not – let's be real honest here. I mean – K-State's played better in their last two games and its last two games, but Skylar Thompson has not particularly played well. He's ran the ball well, but the passing hasn't been great, and they have to figure out a way to move the ball. It's troubling that you're talking about Alex Delton to improve passing, but Coach Snyder will shuffle the deck. I really believe that. Now let's turn it back over to D. Staffridge for his number of the week, and mine is three. As in the number of wins K-State needs to get bowl eligible, we're down to that, just begging for bowl eligibility now on the Powercat pregame podcast. Uh, but they also have three games on the road out of five games. So that makes it a little daunting. They got to steal one on the road. I don't think any of us expects it to be here, but maybe next week in Fort Worth, they got to get one on the road. Three is my number of the week, and that comes with a big uh oh, because I don't know how, how they're going to get it done. D Scout, what is your number of the week? Fitz, I got a uh oh for you. Oh. This is 8.7. 8.7 is the important number for the K-State defense Saturday. You think of all the top offenses in college football history. Well, 8.7 is the average number of yards the Oklahoma offense is gaining per play on the football field this season. The number of 8.7 yards per play not only leads the nation, but is on pace to be the most yards per play by a Division I team as averaged during a season in college football history. Hawaii currently holds a record by averaging 8.5 yards per play during the 2006 season. Yeah, that is an uh-oh. Uh, this could get ugly. We'll see. And, of course, we'll see what our predictions are at the end of the show. Thank you, Mr. Fritchin. And with that, the roundtable is indeed closed. And let's head into another timeout on the Powercat pregame podcast brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. The breakdown of the game arrives right after this pause on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. My name is Tim Fitzgerald and I have stage 3 prostate cancer. So men, take 30 seconds and listen to my message. The day I learned my PSA score was too high, I didn't even know what a prostate-specific antigen score was. Learning my PSA at age 53 probably saved my life. If you're a man over 40, go to your doctor and score your PSA. A simple blood test could save your life too. PSA, know your score. 
I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan. Online at FridgeLiquor.com. The PowerCat Pre-Game Podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company, continues. Now we send you back to Fitz. Welcome back to the PowerCat Pre-Game Podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. It's now time for your update on Kansas State football recruiting. Kansas State picked up its ninth verbal commitment of the fall this week when linebacker Gavin Potter of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, offered his pledge to the Wildcats. Go Paracat recruiting analyst Ryan Wallace notes that Potter at 6'1 and 200 pounds will bring plenty of speed to an outside linebacker spot for the Cats. Wallace will have plenty more on Potter and K-State football recruiting as the season progresses over at Go Cat. And of course, subscribers to Go Cat get up-to-the-minute coverage of football and basketball recruiting from our staff, as well as the highly respected recruiting analysts on the 24-7 Sports Network. And now it's time to break down the game between the Wildcats and Sooners. Joining you once again, let's go Powercat football analyst, Marcus Watts. Kansas State and Oklahoma kick off at 2.30 p.m. in Norman. The game will be televised nationally on Fox. I'm not sure if that's good news or bad news. And now it's time for our breakdown session as the Wildcats and Sooners meet in the team's fifth Big 12 game of the season. And, of course, to help me out with this breakdown of the contest is Go Powercat football analyst and former K-State safety Marcus Watts. And, Marcus, there's not a lot to talk about, honestly. We'll get to predictions into the show. None of us think this is going to be a – Close game, though. We, we know that. And uh, I think it's just kind of an unfortunate mismatch coming off a great performance in an off week. K-State should have a head of steam. And with all that said, you just can't write off a team. You just can't. Maybe K-State finds a way. Maybe Oklahoma gets caught peeking towards Texas Tech next week, which is turning out to be a pretty big game. I, I don't know, but... Um, is there a scenario in your book where K-State can win this game? I mean, yeah, there. there's always a scenario. And like Coach Snyder, when he has two weeks to prepare for somebody, right. you, you know, they usually play him tough. And, hey, Oklahoma played last weekend. K-State didn't. They've had two buys. They've been getting healthy. Um, you know, Oklahoma lost Trey Sermon in the game last week. Yep. Uh, to, down to their third running back. So now. they're down to the third third running back, but they still got a lot of other weapons. And, you know, it starts with their quarterback and Kyler Murray, and he's a special player. We talked about it earlier. He's Michael Bishop-like in his ability to run and throw. I don't know. I just don't see how K-State can bottle him up. I just don't see it. I don't think they have enough speed up front in that front seven to track him down and keep him from getting into the secondary on a consistent basis running the ball. That's not talking about passing the ball, in which he's really good at that, too. I think he's just going to run wild. Yeah, there's things you can do defensively. Um, 
I don't ex- – if K-State wants to keep him in the pocket, they can't put a lot of pressure on him no. as a passer, which then you got to have your back end hold up. Um, because if you start rushing and doing stunts, creating lanes for the quarterback to run or letting him get outside the pocket, that's where – that's where he's going to be most effective. You know, you can bring a safety down like I've talked about plenty of times and have a spy technique and have him go um, have the underneath coverage zone, but also be there for if Kyler, Kyler Murray was to break the pocket. Um, if they are going to do something like that, I expect Eli Walker to so be the, the guy. only guy. He's the only guy athletically enough in the safety spot that can that can go with Kyler Murray. So he would have to have a big game. Um, but then you're going to put your corners on an island, um, and they have two of the best um, receivers in all of college football in CeeDee Lamb and uh, Goodwin. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's pick your poison. What do you want to do? Obviously, K-State wants to stop the run. They want to stop the quarterback run game, make the team throw to beat them. Um, but it's just a powerful offense, and it's it's something it that K State's going to struggle to, you know. Maybe we'll see that Ben but don't break type defense in this game. Yeah, anything that'll work. You know, this is a game. Anything you can do to get by with it, uh, you have to do that. We we both think that it was strange. Coach Snyder talked about running the ball and how Army ran the ball in own time of possession, but that really is the formula to win this game. There's no doubt in my mind. K State has to get back to basics. Run it. Maybe run it in unexpected ways, you know, come at them with some different schemes, and maybe that's where the two weeks of preparation come in. Um, and they have to own time of possession radically, 40 to 20, um, and keep OU somewhat bottled up, just like Army did. And Army did it by doing something different that offense they run is different. You don't see that all the time. Um, and they were incredibly disciplined, and that's that's where my question comes in. If K-State can be so disciplined and not make mistakes, not have penalties, not turn it over, but run, run, run. This could be a quick game. Yeah, and we may see K-State pull out a different offense this weekend, and I haven't heard anything, I haven't seen anything, but we do know, um, even though McCoy's not playing, um, right now that they did have a special package with him at the running back with also um, Alex Barnes and Justin Silman in the, in the backfield. Will we see a wing T type thing? You know, will we see that triple option type of thing that army ran that army runs? Try it. So, you know, you may see something crazy like that out of this, that's this offense, the start of the game. And maybe that's why Coach Snyder said it. I don't know why he would want to give anything away, but if maybe he was playing reverse psychology, I don't know. It was just either he was just up to something or he just knows it's a mismatch and what's it matter? They're going to run the ball. OU knows they're going to run the ball. They can't throw the ball very well. And he's talked about it. They've got to throw the ball better if they want to run the ball as effectively as they get through the season. I I just think he was at the point where, what's it matter? They they know what we're going to do, and, and that's what he said. Well, I mean, I think every team knows what K-State wants to do first. They want to run the ball. They want to establish the run game. And teams are always going to try to take that away from K-State. So if you cannot throw the ball – um, to keep the defensive honest, then it just it's it, you become a one-dimensional team. It becomes very easy for the defense because they can play man-free. They can play zero coverage with no safeties because they know that their corners will be able to handle it. Yes, they may give up one or two big plays, but you're going to commit eight guys to the box to stop that running game. Case the other teams have 
done that to K-State this year. They've stopped the run. Um, you know, the last two games, K-State's found something and been able to break loose that running game, and they've built a lot of confidence. I kind of wish this game didn't have a bye week in at that K-State because they were playing well in the run game, and, and defensively they were playing well. And sometimes when you have too much time on your hands, you Agreed. can prepare too much and try to do too much stuff different. Um, but I expect K-State to come out and try to pound the ball, run the ball down their throat, control the line of scrimmage, keep the ball away from Oklahoma, right. because that is the only way that K-State will be able to stay in this game and have a chance at the end. And even with that said, they're going to have to throw the ball at some point, whether it's five times, ten times, fifteen times. Skylar Thompson has to be more exact in his throwing. He has not been real sharp the last few games. He has to make them pay. If they get man coverage on the outside and there's not a big window to throw it into, he has to get the ball in there and they make them pay and get that defense a little bit uncertain about what they're doing. Yeah, and the receivers need to do a better job Much. of helping him um, out because they're they're taking too long to get open. They're t- they're not getting enough separation. The throws are in tight windows, and you know there's only a few quarterbacks in college football that can make those kind of throws on a consistent basis, um, and they don't play for K State at this point. <laughs> um, you know, Skyler's still young, and he's you know he's still growing and stuff, but. Um, he, yeah, he's going to have to have a big game. The receivers are going to have to have a big game. They're going to have to help the quarterback out. This may be one of those games where K-State, you know, does those quick throws. You know, they, they haven't done a lot of it this year, and I just don't understand it. But, you know, just do some slants. Do some quick outs. Do some pitches. Do some bubbles, bubble screens, bubble passes. Get the ball out of Skyler's hands quickly so that it spreads the defense out and that'll create more running lanes for the We for haven't the seen game. a lot of RPO run pass options. We just haven't seen it. Maybe that's hurt Oklahoma in the past. Maybe they bring it back. But that brings us to the topic we covered a little bit in the uh, roundtable. Ruffin McNeil is now the defensive coordinator. He coordinated the game against TCU. TCU's offense is awful, awful. So we don't really know much about this Oklahoma defense. If it was really schematic attitude changes on the defense that made them better or just the fact they played TCU. I I feel like there's something there that K-State can move the ball if they're good on offense and and find some success. They ran the ball last year against a good OU defense. They can can get this done uh, if they click. Yeah, if they click. And they can't turn the ball over. No. Um, they need to, you know, they can't be doing the three and outs. You know, they're going to have to have sustained drives. And, it, I mean, it's, it's a big challenge. And I, I mean, look, every game's a big challenge and every team has different tendencies or what there's something they're really good at. Oklahoma's just really good at a lot of things on offense. Defensively, you know, they struggled. Yeah, they got a new coordinator. I don't, I don't know if it's going to change how much. I mean, yeah. they gave up 20-some points in the first half to TCU, and TCU was in that game at half. Um, with their backup quarterback, obviously their first string quarterback started that game, but he's just been so banged up and so hurt that he just wasn't being successful. And then they brought in a new quarterback, and they probably – Oklahoma wasn't prepared for that, and he's a different quarterback than Sean Robinson is. So they had to change things at halftime, and they shut him down at half. Yep. And so, you know, whether that is a building block for Oklahoma and they come into this game – they could come into this game and look at K-State and be like, oh, this is going to be an easy game. Um, you know, K-State's not as good, and, you know, we don't have to worry about them because they, they haven't played well this year. It's going to be an easy game, and if they do that, then K-State can catch them off guard. We know one thing about TCU is 
the Frogs typically can play defense. Oklahoma put up 52 on TCU, 52 to 27. Almost all of TCU points came off of either a long return or special teams setting up short field position uh, for the offense. K-State's got to do something in special teams. We say it every week. It gets tiring. It gets boring. They've got to be better in special teams. They've got to get back to what K-State football is about, and I'm not sure they're capable of that. I mean, they're going to have to. They're going to have to. So, um, what are that's you know, they're going to have to. Obviously, Oklahoma's got talent at every position that they're they're going to have to cover. Yeah, they can't give up a big return in this game if, oh, if they oh. want to have any chance. And they're going to have to have a couple of big returns, maybe one for a touchdown in this game. And they need to get back to that. You know, we haven't seen that hardly this year. Um, a couple times they've had good, nice returns, but other than that, they've made a lot of bonehead mistakes in special teams. That's something you don't see from K State very often. The spread is twenty-five. TCU actually had a return for a touchdown and still lost by 25 one week ago to the Sooners. Thank you, Marcus. And now let's get into our interview segment. And the Big 12 Basketball Media Day was held this week in Kansas City, and the Wildcats are picked to finish second in the Big 12. And our Riley Gates was in KC along with some other guys to cover the event and took time to talk to K-State senior guard Kamau Stokes. Here is Riley and Cam. Kamal, I want to take you back real quick to the start of last season, your junior season. Obviously, you got off to a really hot start there. You were on pace for, I mean, a really, really impressive season, and I'm sure you're aware of that. First off, how much fun was it before the injury? How much fun were you having, and what type of a pace were you kind of on there? Uh, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. You know, um, I was playing well, like you said, and the pace that I was on, it was, I don't know, man. It was just like I was in a zone, you know. Um, you know, in the gym all the time, like I am now, and uh, you know, it was just, it was just something I was really looking forward to. And then, uh, like you said, when the injury came, it was just like, man, why now? I'm playing so good, but you know, things happen. I know, watching the game, I kind of thought, watching you go down with that injury, it was kind of like that might be a season-ending injury because you had, you know, kind of battled some injuries before. Did you think at the moment? I'm done. Uh, you know, uh, when I, uh, to be honest, during the game, um, once I felt it, I knew. I knew it was broke. And uh, I went to the bench, and I remember telling one of my teammates, I'm like, yo, I think I just broke my foot. And he's like, nah, he's like, run it off, run it off. I'm like, I can't run it off. Um, but when I went to the doctor, and he told me I could be back soon, just trying to, yeah, everything, my, it, it lit me up. You know, I was excited to be back. Um, maybe, I I think about it now, maybe came back a little too early, but, you know, I wanted to come back and get, get back on the floor with my teammates. So, I mean, do you think it's fair to say maybe you pushed it too hard, or do you, were you actually feeling were you feeling like you were ready to go, or do you maybe feel like you said you kind of got caught up in the emotions of wanting to be back? Um, I wouldn't say I caught up in emotions. You know, I'm, I'm a competitor, and, you know, whenever I go down, I want to I want to push hard to get back, you know. So um, I wouldn't say I was, I was full of emotions. But I definitely wanted to get back out there and play my team. What do you think is said about this team? I mean, the story is, you know, Barry pulled the the team into the practice on Sunday, and after, you know, after that Texas Tech game. What do you think it says about this team that you go down, all the odds are against you guys, and yet? you guys are able to string together a bunch of wins and, and, and really keep your head above water there. Yeah, I remember when he called that practice. Um, 
you know, I wasn't at that practice because of my foot. Um, but I definitely remember he called it, and I don't know what was said, but I know I could tell, like, the energy of the team. Like, when I went down, it was just like, oh, man. Like, but I knew we had I knew we had the, the players uh, to, to still win in games, you know. Um, and I, I knew they would. I knew that they would hold it down until I was ready to get back on the floor, and they did that. Towards the, the back half of the season, the end of the regular season, the conversation was all, hey, K-State's in the tournament. Oh, K-State's a bubble team, kind of back and forth like that. And, and honestly, going in the Big 12 tournament, some people still said, I don't know if this team's going to be in the NCAA tournament. How tough was that for you guys to sit there and take throughout that season? It wasn't tough for us because uh, we knew that we had played well enough and won enough games to get into the tournament. And, you know, all we were worried about was getting there. And we, knew once, we knew once we got there, then we were going to perform can you take me through the emotions of the Big 12 tournament then? Because the, first off, that TCU game, I mean, at the buzzer, it's a back-and-forth game, obviously goes to overtime. That's a thrill. And, and then, obviously, you go advance to play Kansas. You have an opportunity. What was that weekend like for you guys? You know, it was a big weekend. Uh, it was tough. You know, like you said, that TCU game. And then uh, the Kansas game was tough. You know, Barry, Barry got hurt the first couple minutes of the game. Uh, couldn't come back into the game, so that was tough. Um, you know, but after that Kansas game, all we had to focus on now was that tournament. You know, and like I said, once we got in there, that, that was, that's all we needed. Once you got into the NCAA tournament, I mean, obviously, uh, the end speaks for itself, but the first weekend had to be one of the most insane basketball experiences you've ever been through. I mean, you beat Creighton, a really great game, and then you get UMBC in the second round. I mean, was it tough to wrap your mind around all that? I mean, you know, um, sophomore year we didn't. Uh, sophomore year we lost in the first round, you know, and then then we come back junior year, win our first game, and then uh, thinking we might play. What's I mean, think we about to play Virginia, you know. So we were preparing for that, and then UMBC pulled something spectacular, you know. So we had to we had to we had to shift our focus back on the UMBC, and uh, you know the tournament's a crazy thing because you can't rule anybody out, and uh, you know we, we, once we beat UMBC, we knew we had a tough Kentucky team to beat, and uh, like like you said, you can't rule anybody out. And I feel like a lot of people ruled us out on that game, but we knew how like I said, we knew how good we'd be. You've been a part of a lot of winning teams, uh, even before K-State, I know, and you've had some pretty fun games. Was there a more fun game you've ever played in your career than that Kentucky game? Oh, man. Um, no, the Kentucky game was great. You know, I had a lot of fun doing the Loyola game, you know, even though we lost. Um, and just, just thinking about how close you are to that Final Four, you know, it's a lot of fun. But now we just know what we got to do to get to the next step. Building upon that feeling of you came so close to the Final Four, it's I know obviously it's tough to swallow at the end of the day being literally one game away, but now you're solidified as a team in K-State history alongside that 2010 team, you know, Jacob Pullen, Danny Clemente, guys like that. The loss aside, how special is it to be cemented in K-State history like that? Uh, it's real special. It's real, real special, you know, and uh, I know those guys are proud of us for what we did, and uh, we want to be one of those teams that also makes it to the finals. So where are the, I guess, the bar of expectation this year? I mean, obviously, 
expecting the Elite Eight is probably a pretty high bar, but, I mean, is it fair to say you guys expect a deep run in the tournament this year? I mean, you know, that's all based off of how hard we work, based off of how hard we work. Of course, everybody expects it. Um, you know, we, I expect our guys to come out with the same chip on their shoulder and to, to play the same way we play throughout that whole tournament. So it'll be something to look forward to. What are the keys to a Wildcat victory? And what are our experts' predictions? It's next on the Powercat pregame podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. It's a K-State sports tradition. It's Fitz's Five Keys to Victory on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. Kansas State is 1-3 in Big 12 play and heading down the stretch with three of its final five games on the road, including this contest at Oklahoma. The Sooners at 3-1 in the Big 12 are wanting to make another statement that they are the team to fear in the Big 12 despite losing two weeks ago to Texas. K-State, a 25-point underdog, is seeking an upset that would stun the odds makers, while Oklahoma wants to keep rolling after dismantling TCU last weekend. The two teams meet at 2.30 p.m. at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. The game will be nationally televised on Fox. I'm Go Cat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and now it's time for my keys of the game. Our keys of the game are sponsored by Tanner's Bar and Grill in Aggieville. Great food, friendly service, and the best place to watch sports in Manhattan can be found at Tanner's. You've got time for one final final at Tanner's. Tanner's located at the corner of 12th and Morrow in the historic Aggieville Business District. 
Key number one, ground and pound. Kansas State has finally rediscovered its running game, and if the Wildcats want to win this game, then Coach Bill Snyder is right. Following the run-based, clock-dominating script laid out by Army earlier this year in a 28-21 overtime loss in Norman is a must. This K-State offensive line has been highly motivated as of late, and Alex Barnes is mowing through defenses as his yards per carry average escalates with each passing quarter. Sprinkle in some other ball carriers, including the K-State quarterbacks, and get after the Sooners on the ground. Key number two, pass with purpose. K-State is the worst passing team in the Big 12 by far. And teams such as Oklahoma know that. So don't expect the Sooners under newly promoted defensive coordinator Ruffin McNeil to show the K-State passing game much respect. That means when needed, the Wildcats must go to the air for impact. Skylar Thompson has not been particularly sharp with his passing in recent games. But when K-State needs to throw, Thompson and his receivers better be effective enough to loosen up that OU run defense. Key number three, maintain Murray. Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray is a running passing beast. Murray carries the ball like a shifty running back and throws darts all over the field. It's a deadly mix for any defense, but for a K-State defense that lacks overall speed, it's a nightmare. So it's pick your poison with Murray, and it's probably best to try to keep Murray in the pocket and make him throw. If Murray gets out of the pocket or finds room on designed QB run plays, he could slice through the K-State defense for countless yards. If possible, make Murray throw and hope the secondary can come up big in coverage. But no matter what, it's still poison. Key number four, open it up. Oklahoma is almost certainly going to win this game. Honestly, this is a horrible matchup for the Wildcats and comes at an unfortunate time for Bill Snyder's team. The Wildcats are coming off their best performance of the season two weeks ago in beating Oklahoma State and then took last Saturday off. Well, roll the dice in this game. Give Oklahoma some different looks. Be Excuse my use of the phrase, bold and daring. After all, what do the Wildcats have to lose? A game, yes, but finding a way to win would be season-altering. And key number five, remember who you are. TCU scored a touchdown last week against OU on a kickoff return. In fact, the only reason the offensively inept Frogs scored so many points in their 52-27 loss to OU was because of special team success. Hopefully, K-State got the memo. No, we're not going to review the Wildcats' special teams issues again, but it's time to get it fixed. If the Wildcats want to win this game or simply not get blown out, then finding success in special teams against the Sooners is a must. That completes our keys to the game, and now let's turn our attention to our staff predictions and bring back in D. Scott Fritchin, Riley Gates, and Marcus Watts. K-State is 3-4 and four as it prepares for a nationally televised game Saturday in Norman, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is 6-1, and one, and while the Wildcats are chasing bowl eligibility, OU is still attempting to recover from a loss to Texas and trying to earn a spot in the Big 12 championship game. It's time for our predictions, and as always, we start with our assistant editor and football beat writer, the one, the only, D. Scott Fritchin. 
Fitz, I have Oklahoma 42 to 20. I think Kansas State will cover, but K-State hasn't been this big of an underdog since it was a 28-point underdog at Oklahoma in 2009. I think Kyler Murray shows out today. Yeah, we should have mentioned that. 24 and a half, 25 points, depending on what you look at, is the betting spread. Oklahoma is favored by Rally Gates. Will K-State cover that? Uh, I think they will. Woo! I got Oklahoma, though, 38-17. to 17. Um, You know, it kind of feels like a game that you'll sit here and say, oh, K-State's in it, but they're actually not in it, you know. And I agree with uh, D. Scott. I think that Kyler Murray will have himself quite the day, at least a couple rushing touchdowns, um, and, and maybe even push for that 200-yard mark on the ground. Oh, good heavens. 22 points, 21 points, two covers over here. Marcus Watts, you have. 48-21. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I don't know Oklahoma's what else to say. Really Oklahoma's good. really good. Kyler Murray's really good. The receivers are really good. Yes, they might not have Trey Sermon, but they still have running back by committee at yeah. the school like Oklahoma. It's just going to be a very difficult game. I don't know how K-State will stop them, and I have the biggest spread of any of us. 45-17 OU. I think this gets ugly. K-State hangs on. K-State finds a way to score. I know TCU has an inept offense and found ways to score through special teams. That's maybe how K-State's going to have to generate those points. We will see how it plays out. And that will do it for our prediction segment. Right after this network break, I will complete this preview of K-State's game with the Oklahoma Sooners with my final take. I am Tim Fitzgerald, and you are listening to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by the wonderful people at Robbins Motor Company. He's been covering K-State sports for more than 30 years. The PowerCat pregame podcast continues with Fitz's final take. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Fiat are here to help you throughout the entire car buying process. The Robbins vehicle sales team will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget, while the experts at the Robbins Automotive Financing Department will help you understand all of your auto loan and car lease options. If you have any questions about the cars, trucks, or SUVs in their vehicle inventory, give Robbins a call at its location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan. And at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can get your vehicle serviced at their state-of-the-art automotive center. Bring your vehicle in for a quick oil change and inspection or make an appointment for advanced engine repair or bodywork. It's the Robbins Motor Company, proud winners of the 2018 Customer First Award for Excellence and title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. The PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company is back with Fitz's final take. There's one thing to be said about the Oklahoma football program and its fans. Kansas State, thanks to Coach Bill Snyder, has earned the respect of the Sooners. That's not particularly true of other former Big A programs. I saw the transformation of Kansas State football from pitiful to powerful. A lot of us did, and it originally took place when the Big 8 was still alive and programs such as Nebraska, Missouri, and Colorado, all of which had enjoyed their varying degrees of football greatness, always seemed to view Kansas State for what it had been and not what it currently was. To many of their fans, K-State was still a lesser program worthy of little or no respect. And then along came the Big 12 and the Texas programs, 
lacking memories of awful Wildcat football, saw Kansas State in its current state as a program to be respected. Oklahoma, though, was convinced early on on the field. And then Snyder and the Cats beat OU and stole a conference title from the 2003 Sooners, a team they thought was the greatest in college football history. And almost every year, Snyder's teams compete, if not beat, the Sooners. Sure, there are a few exceptions throughout the years, but no matter the records heading into the game, OU fans expect a brawl from a Snyder team. Maybe that's the case in this game. Maybe not. Still, don't be surprised if Snyder somehow makes this game more competitive than most experts, including myself, expect. It's how he haunts the Oklahoma Sooners. That concludes this week's episode of the Pyrocat Pregame Podcast. The Wildcats are back on the road next week as they head to Fort Worth to take on TCU. For D. Scott Fritch and Riley Gates and Marcus Watts, I'm Tim Fitzgerald. It's the Kansas State Wildcats versus the Oklahoma Sooners kicking off at 2.30 p.m. Saturday in Norman, Oklahoma. You've been listening to the Powercat Pregame Podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. The PowerCat pregame podcast, all rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.